0: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW Revoid We're Prohibited by Law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
1: Hour number two, the Chris Gordy Show Underway, Sports 1280 New Orleans. And every Tuesday around this time, we love to catch up with our buddy Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast and All Saints Considered blog. Missed him last week, but good to have him back in. Ross joins us now. Ross, what's going on, man?
0: Hey, brother. Thanks so much for having me back. Always a pleasure to be here, man. Glad to be back with you this week.
1: I'm curious, before we get into Saints conversation, one, I'm glad the Saints don't have to play the Ravens this season because it would be quite a (laughs) feat. But, dude, what Lamar Jackson is doing, I, I, I couldn't help but reflect on the fact that I remember draft night being at my buddy's house. We were watching on NFL Network and Mike Mayock, when they see the Saints trade up, he goes, oh, this is Lamar Jackson. They're going to get their quarterback in the future. I know how much Sean Payton really loved him. This is going to be Lamar Jackson. He's going to be tremendous for the Saints down the road. And then they (laughs) announce the pick, and it's uh, Marcus Davenport out of UTSA. And Mayock sat there with the biggest egg on his face. But it was funny because that, in comparison to the year prior, when we know the Saints wanted to get Patrick Mahomes and ended up uh, going to getting uh, uh, Marshawn Lattimore because the Chiefs jumped ahead of him. But it's crazy to think that the Saints were rumored, at least, to be interested in both uh, Mahomes, who was the MVP last year, and now Lamar Jackson, who very well should be the MVP this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, there's no mystery that the Saints scouting staff does a really good job at scouting NFL talent, and even the players that don't end up on their team are, a, are an example of that. I mean, you look at the guys that they've signed and cut that have found you know, homes elsewhere and that are playing well elsewhere. And then you find, I mean, Eric Harris is a great example over at the Oakland Raiders this week. I'm sorry, this year um, that they brought in from the uh, Canadian football league a few years ago. And then of course, these guys, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson, there's just no denying that they would have been excellent for the saints. And thankfully they're excellent uh, in their own environments, but man, is, is, is Lamar Jackson just fun to watch or what? I mean, he's incredible.
1: It's crazy. I mean, the numbers he's putting up. And, and by the way, can we could we redo it and play the Rams now? Because man, that if right. we played if the Saints played <laughs> the Rams right now, they would beat the crap out of them. They look like utter dog crap last night.
0: Yeah, I remember when they pulled off the the trade for you know they traded away Marcus Peters and then they uh, traded for Jalen Ramsey and everybody said, oh the here we go again the fearsome L.A. Rams defense and then it's just. It's really just not come together for those guys. And, I mean, at this point, they're pretty much statistically eliminated from the playoffs. Not statistically eliminated, but they're pretty much out of the playoffs, considering that the NFC West is going to send two, very likely two teams to the playoffs, uh, in the Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers. And so it's just been a complete drop-off year for them. And I think it just goes to show you that, you know, we're talking about quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, they had to make a decision Well, they ended up having a decision made uh, for their own in terms of that Carson Wentz, uh, Jared Goff situation. And it seems like, well, it seems like both of those guys are struggling, but certainly uh, the Rams didn't really get the, the guy that they were hoping for.
1: Yeah, and they, and they already re-upped him and, and gave him an extension and that's, uh, oh, that, that's crazy. Uh, what about Mark Ingram? I mean, he's had a fantastic season in Baltimore, but I guess it's, it's a little bit easier pill to swallow because Latavius Murray has played so well these last couple weeks and, uh, this will tie into the game this past week. Were you surprised we didn't see a little bit more Latavius Murray in the second half after how well he ran it in the first half?
0: Yeah, I mean, First of all, let me just show some love to Mark Ingram, you know, I mean, I'm I'm glad that you brought him up because I do want to make the point I'm seeing a lot of people that are very impressed with Mark Ingram and that are upset with the Saints organization for not keeping him around. So just a quick reminder, that wasn't necessarily the Saints choice, right? That was the agent who wanted to get him some more money elsewhere and ended up signing with the Ravens. So let's not, you know, let's not jump to any conclusions about the Saints decision-making process uh, throughout that contract negotiation. But uh, Latavius Murray, who they went and signed right after Mark Ingram decided to go elsewhere, um, he's worked out for them very well. I mean, you saw him bust off the 24-yard run, and that 24-yard run set up the effectiveness of the play action on the Traquan Smith-busted coverage touchdown that put them up 14-0, to so you could see a little bit of what he's bringing to the team. I'm, I was. I was very surprised that you didn't see more of him in the second half of this game. I'm charge, you didn't see more of the run game in the second half of this game. You know, once you're up 31-18, to but um, – you look at the split. The splits there between Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. They've been, uh, you know, pretty good in terms of sharing the wealth with the between those guys. But you know, when you're running 9.1 yards per carry on seven carries, uh, you you kind of want to keep feeding that guy the ball, and that just ended up not being the case for the Saints this week.
1: I had somebody email me yesterday, and it was funny because uh, we saw this guy a, a little bit this week in the game. But somebody emailed me yesterday They said, who the hell's number 81? And, you know, Krish- <laughs> Krishan Hogan, like, it, it was one of those guys that just kind of, like, went under the radar. Like, wait, who is he and where did he come from? Uh, so I'll ask you, who is he and where did he come from?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, Kr- Krishan Hogan from Marion State. He's somebody that uh, came in uh, onto the practice squad early on in the season. Uh, kind of after the kind of questions about who was going to be the person, you know, the other, the third down running back, you know, there was conversation about Divine, not, not third down running back, sorry, third string running back. There was conversation about Divine Zigbo, Dwayne Washington. And then after they made their cuts and everything, they also brought in Krishan Hogan, who has a little bit of a quality that a lot we're describing as a running back wide receiver hybrid. When in actuality, he's a lot more of a running back. You look at him, six foot three, 220 some odd pounds. I mean, he's got some quickness. He's got, you know, he's got four or five speed on that, on that build, which is nice. Um, and he's got some kick return responsibilities. I'm sorry, some kick return capabilities. Uh, but one of the things that you really saw from him in college was one of those towering guys that could go up and get it, but then somebody that they really relied on in the red zone actually as a running back or as somebody that they would run a jet sweep to, you know, they ended up putting the ball on the ground to him a lot, uh, in college. And that's why he ended up with so many rushing touchdowns in college. So he's somebody that's really an interesting prospect. I think that he's been out there. He saw 15 snaps in this past game. Uh, Don't remember if he got the target there, but certainly hasn't registered a catch yet this season. But he's been the guy from the practice squad that's been elevated outside of um, little Jordan Humphrey and outside of even Emmanuel Butler, who seems to have stuck here. They like what he's doing. And he does a pretty good job when he's out there in pass protection. I'm sorry, uh, run protection as well. And so uh, that's one of the reasons why he's he's kind of stuck around. But he'll be interesting to watch if the Saints end up getting him a little bit more involved in the passing game. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with him too once Keith Kirkwood comes off of injured reserve, as he's expected to do.
1: Let's uh, let's touch a little bit on the the defense because look, it's it's easy to say you go up thirty one points that you know uh, defense didn't play well. But I, I thought they had some really good moments in this game. Obviously, they get the four sacks, but man, it was good to see. Like I, I think the first game all season that we saw Mario Edwards in there very active and I like that because mm-hmm. we know Onyema, we know Marcus Davenport, we know Cam Cam Jordan, like we know all these guys and what they do. But man, it just makes this defensive front that much more dangerous when you got a guy like Mario Edwards who who was as active as I thought he was this week.
0: Yeah, I looked at this week for the Saints defense as being a pretty solid game across the board, but with bad moments is the way that I sort of looked at this. And you saw that specifically with the 50, uh, what was it, 51, 52 yard touchdown to DJ Moore to get them on the board, uh, with uh, the coverage from PJ Williams. Just, he just got beat on the outside, keeping his eyes in the backfield. Um, and DJ Moore just kind of was able to run past him. Marcus Williams wasn't in position to be able to get to him and close that distance that quickly. And so, you look at that! You look at the big uh, fifty, the other fifty-yard play, fifty-plus-yard play to DJ Moore. Um, you know, when you look at those, there's kind of those big moments. But outside of that, they did pretty well. I mean, they still haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher. The the matchup with Christian McCaffrey was one that a lot of people were concerned about. They did a pretty good job holding him uh, in the uh, in the ground game, but you know, he still got into the end zone a couple of times, and of course. You know was effective in the in the passing game, but that was one of those games where you saw the Saints essentially say, "Okay, we're going to let you try to beat us with your one guy," but then a couple of big plays to some of those secondary guys can kind of get you in those shaky situations where you end up with that thirty-one to thirty-one tie, having to push for a late win. So, didn't exactly work out the way that they wanted because of some of those secondary guys, but. Still, I mean, you look at what it is that the Saints defense has been able to do, and especially continuing to be uh, a very good pass rushing team, particularly with their down four. Demario Davis was incredible in this game, was just all over the place. Um, and then you also saw the Saints doing something that we haven't really seen a lot of this, this year, which is kind of out of the ordinary to not see from them, but batting passes at the line. You saw them take advantage of that two plays in a row against Kyle Allen. So you see the active hands, you see the personalities along the defense. Now it's just about redefining the communication. Probably once Marshawn Lattimore comes back, that stuff gets cleaned up and cleaning up some of those technique issues, like what we saw happen with PJ uh, versus DJ Moore on the big, uh, the big opening score, the first touchdown there. And then outside of that, it's just cleaning up the dumb penalties, mental errors, things like that. But these are all things that are fixable and workable. You know, they got five games left to continue to find what their best game is, and so they'll want to figure that out pretty soon, considering the opponents they have coming up in the next couple of weeks.
1: What did you make of? I mean, I I thought they did their best they could against Christian McCaffrey. We know how good he is. It's like, you know, it's like looking in a mirror, kind of at times. uh, In terms of him being much like Alvin Kamara, I mean, he feels like he can run every route. It feels like he can uh, run every kind of uh, play out of the backfield. So uh, he's very difficult to stop. But I thought for the most part, the Saints did a good job of bottling up him up, and especially late in that game where. You know, Carolina's got a chance to really punch it in there. Instead, the Saints come up big. They hold them to a field goal despite the penalty, and lo and behold, they miss the field goal.
0: Yeah, and now, you know, a big part of that, uh, Marcus Davenport, big part of that whole sequence is Marcus Davenport, the a six-yard sack on third down and then leaping over the center to force the uh, force the kick over to the side on a Joey Fly that was already pretty shaken after missing two extra points, and he ends up missing the field goal there. But in terms of what the Saints' defense did against Richard McCaffrey, you like what they did. I know he scored two touchdowns on the game. He had the one in the receiving game and then one on the on the ground. But you look at it in terms of how he affected the entire game as a whole, picked up a couple of first downs, but the Saints did a really good job limiting him, not allowing many big chunk plays to him or really allowing any big chunk plays to him, anything like that, that would get them sort of out of momentum and sort of take the energy out of the building, they were able to erase that from Christian McCaffrey. Unfortunately, they gave it up elsewhere a couple of times, but in terms of what they were able to do against him, you have to be pleased with it. It's kind of the same way that we look at Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas when it comes to other teams and other defenses. Your goal can be to try to limit their effect as much as possible, but you're not going to neutralize them or take them away from the game. That's what the Saints needed to do against, against Christian McCaffrey, and they did so.
1: All right, let's start to look ahead because we don't have to look very far ahead. It is a short week and Saints will be playing on Thanksgiving night in Atlanta. Uh, obviously, Teron Armstead, the injury this past week, uh, Ian Rappaport came out yesterday, said it's a high ankle sprain and he's going to be week to week, but he has officially been ruled out for Thursday night's game. So you combine that with Andrews Pete with the broken arm and obviously they're going to have to turn into some other faces on the left side of that offensive line. Um, how do you think they hold up on a short week, having to put in some some new guys in there? Well, I say new guys, but at least Omar May and some of those other guys got some reps in the game on Sunday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you've seen Andres Pete. I'm sorry, you've seen uh, Nick Easton come in from Andres Pete over the last couple of weeks and perform well. And so I think you're pretty okay with the idea of Nick Easton there along your interior. And then as long as you you know you still have Eric McCoy, you've got Larry Warford, and then Ryan Ramchick over to your right side. The big question is. How is this Saints offensive line going to hold up with two backups uh, involved, even though, again, Nick Easton I could see as a starter elsewhere at his position uh, playing left guard, especially with some of the atrocious offensive lines that we can see in the NFL right now. But how is this offensive line going to stack up against a defensive uh, front that got six sacks on Drew Brees the last time that they played? And a big part of that is going to come down to can these receivers get open? And, you know, look, I love seeing what we've seen from Jared Cook over these last couple of games. He's really come on, and there's now Instead of the offense essentially running through two players, you see the, the offense running through three players. It could be four if they, you know, leaned on Latavius Murray a little bit in this next game. And so, um, you know, you, you really want to see them get open. Give Drew Brees some options to be able to get the ball out quickly, so he's not holding the ball as long as he was against the Falcons last time, which is it resulted in five out of those six sacks. And so that offensive line is going to have a little bit of a test here. But if the game plan is such that allows Drew Reese to get the ball out quickly. It's going to help to mitigate not having your All-Pro guy uh, over on your blind side.
1: And, and it's funny because we talked about LSU playing A&M this week, and they kind of mm-hmm. owe them payback for last year. You gotta feel like the Saints are going to feel like we got to get them a little payback for that loss three weeks ago.
0: Oh yeah, I mean you look at uh, uh, Cam Jordan's uh, locker room. Uh, press conference that he did a couple of days ago, when somebody asked him about it being a revenge game for them against the Saints, and he, you know, kind of coyly and 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 uh, and and jokingly tried to play it off as, you know, it's it's important because it's the next game, and then you know he's very much in tune with the idea that yes, you know, they came into. The Superdome and and beat them convincingly, and so this is absolutely a revenge-type situation for them. And not only is it a revenge-type situation, I mean, it's a primetime game where the Saints have played well. Drew Brees, Drew Brees plays very well in those primetime games, and it's a national audience. And so, you know, you just got embarrassed by these guys a couple of weeks ago. You get the opportunity now in front of the nation to go out and you know, sort of wreak some revenge here. Uh, I think you're going to try to take advantage of it as much as possible. I love that this rivalry is Something, you know, it's, it's a rivalry that we've always known about, of course, but it's one that hasn't been very nationally recognized. But now you're starting to see it two years in a row now on Thanksgiving. So I'm liking the tradition here and getting it in the public eye because I think it's one of the more, uh, I'll say, uh, I'll say, passionate rivalries <laughs> in the NFL. Right now.
1: He is Ross Jackson. Locked on Saints is the podcast. All Saints Considered is the website. Uh, did I see you working on a little piece on uh, Alva Kamara coming up?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm interested, you know, um, uh, David Grubb and I were talking and we had a little conversation about, you know, what's the difference, what's happening with Alvin Kamara this season, what are we seeing or not seeing this year that we've seen in years before. And I got really interested in the amount of targets he gets down the field. And, you know, over the last two years, his first two seasons, 2017, 2018, he was combined targeted beyond 10 yards at the line of scrimmage 17 times. So far this year, he's only been targeted once beyond 10 yards down the field so essentially beyond the uh, first down marker, only one time this season. And that happened in week two, never happened again since. So then I started to uh, to get curious, too, about how much much open space is Alvin Kamara seeing this year as opposed to what we've seen last year. So I'm running through and looking at every catch, from the last two seasons and this season and looking at the comparison between depth of target yards after catch and depth of the nearest defender. So I'm going to be looking at that to see if it's, you know, just defenses making adjustments now that they've seen Alvin Kamara for two years and they finally realized, Hey, we can't get in one-on-one situations with a defensive back against Alvin Kamara six yards away from them at the catch point. Um, and so I'm curious to see if that's an adjustment that some of these defenses have made and how this, hit, and if that is the case, what the things are doing to try to mitigate that because you're seeing in Kamara come on a little bit more uh, over these last few games. Some of it has to do with health, of course. I mean, he was a workhorse for the first couple of weeks. He was dealing with an injury. But we're starting to see all of that um, shiftiness, the balance, the uh, the elusiveness. We're seeing all of that come back. So I'm curious to see how much of the game plan is tailoring to that.
1: Did do they need to get – I had a caller yesterday who was like, why didn't they get Latavius Murray more carries? I mean, the guy was averaging nine yards a carry on mm-hmm. Sunday. I mean, is it hard, I guess, at times to – to figure out the balance of Camaro, so talented, you want to get him the ball, uh, but also M- Murray's a guy who we saw in those weeks where he was in and Camaro was out. When he gets the bulk of the carries, he can really do some damage. It, I guess it's hard sometimes with the game plan to try to get everybody their touches that they need.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what it what it is. I mean, it's all game plan and trying to maximize every snap and trying to figure out exactly you know what the appropriate personnel is in terms of your situation. You're down in distance. Your, you know the score, all of that stuff, the time on the clock, all of that dictates uh, those kind of things. So it's not just as simple as oh, we need to get Latavius Murray some more snaps. Let's go ahead and march him out there. You know, It, it, it can come down to that when it comes to like disciplinary things and stuff like that to where you feel like something is a detriment to your team. But otherwise passing game was working and Alvin Kamara was getting was getting good work on the ground either on the ground immediately or through sort of those extended handoffs like screens and passes out to the flats uh, guy jeremy and i were talking about that on twitter this morning you know they're utilizing all of the things that we've seen with Alvin Kamara over time and so i think it just kind of comes down to what the game plan is and what's appropriate for the for the situation
1: ross jackson like we said the locked on saints podcast and the uh, all Saints consider blog thanks so much for the time man we'll do it again next week
0: Hey, as always, but I'm looking forward to it. Have a good
1: one. Awesome. Happy- Thanks. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, sorry. We cut him off. Like, way to go, Dave. Cut him off early. Trying to wish us a happy Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, anyway. we get it.
1: <laughs> uh, it's Chris Gordy's show, Sports 12 Radio. We'll grab a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Stay with us.
0: With the Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.